Our scripture is in Matthew chapter 1, starting in verse 18. I'm going to ask that you stand for just a couple minutes longer as we read God's word together. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18 says this. It says, this is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had it in his mind to just kind of divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus. Everybody say give him. You are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet The virgin will conceive and give birth. And they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. God with us. God in the flesh, walking in our lives, encouraging us, loving us. Think right there with us. God with us. And when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him. And he took Mary home as his wife. Today, as we kick off our Joy of Christmas series, I want to preach to you a message entitled, Grinch Fix. Grinch Fix. Before you're seated, I want you to find three people and say, hey, put a grin on your face and get rid of that Grinch. Go ahead. Tell them. Tell them. Three people. And then you may be seated this morning. Well, I love Christmas. I love this time of year. And uh, today I want to preach to you about the Grinch fix. Now, truth be told, I, uh, I cannot go an entire Christmas season without my own Grinch fix. I've, I don't know what it is, but that's one of the Christmas movies that every year I have to watch the Grinch. Uh, I think it's probably because Jim Carrey has just been one of those actors that I've always watched. That's kind of one of my things. And and every time I think of the movie, I think of him going the 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 Grinch, and his I did I don't know something about that line and that part. And the movie gets me every time, and it gets me in the Christmas spirit. And I just love the movie The Grinch. Uh, and I can empathize and I can understand because the Grinch is not your normal Christmas movie, maybe. Maybe it's not your favorite, but, but that's okay. I, I just tend to understand where the Grinch is coming from. See, the, the Grinch was the Grinch not because he was stingy. I don't know if you thought about this. The Grinch wasn't the Grinch because he was stingy. The Grinch was the Grinch because his heart was two sizes too small. He had a heart too small, which meant he had no joy in his heart. But I can empathize because the Grinch kind of, I mean, if you look at the surface and you look at the story, he had a little bit of a reason to not have any joy in his life. Think about it. He was rejected. He was abandoned. 
He lived on the margins of society. He was ostracized. He was uh, constantly put down and made fun of. Nobody really wanted to be his friend. The Grinch was isolated. He felt alone and nobody was kind to him. So why in the world should he be kind to anyone else? He knew he didn't have something, so why should he give that very something back? And I think a lot of us, we could kind of relate to that story. Many of us around Christmas time, we feel the pain and the tragedy in our own lives. We feel the loss. Maybe it reminds us of a rejection that took place. Maybe like the Grinch, we're consumed with what we don't have and therefore refuse to also give. And joy seems to escape our lives and our hearts. Over the next few weeks, we want to go on a journey looking at the Christmas story, and we will discover the joy of Christmas together. I hope that after our time today, you'll walk out of here feeling a little bit of joy in your own heart. And if you don't feel the joy in your heart, hopefully by the end of today, we will give you some practical things to help you discover and reclaim your own joy. Uh, here's, here's the sermon in a sentence, if you will, for you bottom line people who like to know up front, I'm going to give it to you right now. And uh, here, here's the whole entire sermon in one sentence. Here it is. The Grinch fix is to be joyfully generous. If you need to fix the Grinch in you, the way you fix the Grinch in you is to choose to be joyfully generous. Is to choose to be joyfully generous. See, it's not to withhold what we don't feel like we have, but it's to give despite with what we think we have or don't have. The, the Bible says it like this in Proverbs eleven twenty four. It says that the world of the generous gets larger and larger. Check this out. But the, but the world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller, shrinking our heart perhaps two sizes too small. The world of the generous just continues to expand and it gets larger and more joy. But those who choose to be stingy, it just goes smaller and smaller and it shrinks around in their life. You know, as I look at the Christmas story, especially the, the part of the Christmas story that we read in Matthew chapter 1, if anybody had a reason to be grinchy, it was Joseph. If anybody had a reason to, to have a little bit of that Grinch thought process, it was Joseph. Think about it. In no fault of his own, all of a sudden his girl shows up pregnant by the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Lucy got some explainings to do. Like it's just something isn't. Hold on for a second. If anybody had a reason to be grinchy. It was Joseph. But what I love is that Joseph was a giver. He decided to become a dad to a boy who he didn't produce. He decided to be a father in a life and to give everything that he had to a young boy that wasn't his own. Man, there's something about dads, men, who step up to a plate to become a father in somebody's life who wouldn't otherwise have an earthly father. 
it was not too long ago, I, I had the privilege of officiating a wedding. And uh, this gentleman was marrying this, this woman, and this woman had a child. And uh, they stood there at the altar, and he made covenant pledge to provide and to take care of and to love and to cherish and, and to love this woman. And he was making a covenant with her. Much like Joseph made a covenant with Mary, but then he took it a step further and he turned and he made the same kind of covenant pledge to this woman's child. And I barely made it through as tears were just full in my eyes in this beautiful moment of redemption where somebody who didn't owe this child anything decided to give them everything. That's what Joseph did. If anybody had a reason to feel rejected, if anybody had a reason to feel slighted, if anybody had a reason to say, nope, I'm checking out right now, it was Joseph. He was going to have to endure some things, face criticism, face all the questions. He was going to have to deal with the murmurings and his friends who were going to lovingly confront him and tell him how this isn't right and he shouldn't do it and Mary's crazy and there's somebody hiding in the woodpile and she's not telling you the truth and you need to go ahead and get on out of this thing. Joseph was going to have to walk through it and if anybody had a reason to walk away and have a little Grinch in him, it was Joseph. But he made a decision to choose joy and found joy because he was a giver. And I love one of his responsibilities that God gave to him in this story. You, Joseph, give him the name Jesus. He was the one who had the opportunity to act what giving really was all about. And he gave Jesus his name. Joseph was a giver. And, and it was no strings attached, nothing withholding, nothing holding back. It was all going to be given away. Joseph decided to live his life as a giver. Why? Here's, here's what Joseph knew. That the way that you overcome the Grinchiness is to become generous. And he made the decision to give his life away, to give away, to be a generous person. Listen, giving is the key to finding joy this Christmas. Just ask any parent. Any parent knows it is so much more fun watching your kids open a gift that you gave to them than it is to get their own gifts. Now, this is true in my life. Now, one thing you got to know about me is I love receiving gifts. It's one of my love languages. Seriously. I love, in fact, my wife right now is giving me a little bit of a hard time because I have yet to produce a Christmas list for her. And she keeps giving me, you know, you like gifts. And if I don't get the right thing, you know, you need, I need a list. <laughs> and so I'm working on a real expensive, I mean, affordable list for, for her. I love to receive gifts, but nothing, nothing, I'm telling you, nothing brings me more joy than to see my kids open the gift that we gave to them. Jesus, I think, had it right when he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. You want to know what that word blessed entails? One of the components, it's got like multiple components to what this word blessed means, but one of the, the, the things that comes along with God's blessing, joy. It is more joyful when you give, Jesus was saying, than when you receive if you want to find joy this Christmas, it's going to be because you made a decision to give. 
to be generous. Giving is the key. And can I tell you, as a dad, I'm having even more fun helping my kids buy gifts for their siblings because they're learning the joy of giving now. And as a dad, helping them be joyful as a giver, not just a receiver, man, it does something in my heart. It gets me in the feels, right in the feeler. I mean, just every time. I love it. Why? Because the key to joy is to choose to be generous. It's to choose to be generous. One thing you've got to know about God is that God loves, I mean, he loves a cheerful giver. God absolutely, head over heels, loves a cheerful giver. I thought God loved me no matter what. No, no. His love is available to you no matter what. But it is when you make a choice to be a cheerful giver that you open up yourself to a greater capacity to receive the love that's already available to you. Just because it's available doesn't mean it gets to you. God loves a cheerful giver. If you want to experience a new dimension, a new level, a new capacity of God's love in your life, make a decision to be a cheerful giver. Second Corinthians chapter nine, verse seven says it like this. Each one of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give. In other words, there's a decision that you need to make in your own heart that you're going to do this. And when you make the decision in your heart to give, There's a certain way that you should give. You shouldn't give reluctantly, he goes on to say. And you shouldn't give because you're being compulsed to or coerced to or manipulated to. Or because you feel obligated to or you felt like you had to. Or like they gave you a gift, therefore you better get them a gift. Like none of that. That's not giving. That's exchanging. I just set some of you free. You're like, I ain't buying grandma nothing this year. Well, you might want to think twice on that one. Each of you should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful, hilarious, laughing all the way, ha-ha, giver. One of the reasons here at Faith Church we don't pass a bucket or a basket, or anything, a magic bag uh, down the rows. Uh, that was a church joke, sorry. <laughs> One of the reasons why we don't do that is because we want to give you the opportunity to choose to give. There's boxes, giving boxes throughout the, the sanctuary, and if you want to give, you can decide to give. But there's no guilt going to pass by you in the form of an empty bucket or a full bucket as it comes by. Why? Because if you're going to give, we want you to give because, man, you decided I'm going to be a giver. I'm gonna, I decided I'm going to be giver. I'm going to be generous. I'm going to choose to be like God and to give. I'm going to choose to find joy because I gave. I'm going to choose to be more blessed, more joyful, more appreciated because I chose to give than because I felt like I had to give. When I was first uh, youth pastoring, we had uh, these piggy banks that we bought. And I've got one of them here with me. Uh, it was given to me when, when I transitioned out of that church. But when Amber and I were uh, youth pastors early on, we made a decision that we were going to have what we called joy pigs. Exhibit A. 
hey, my kids left me something in here. That's fun. Joy pigs. And what we did was we set multiple of these joy pigs up all on the kind of front of the sanctuary. We would get to a certain part of our service where we would say, hey, if you came ready to bring to God his tithe and your offering, uh, now's the time to come joyfully and place uh, your offering into the joy pigs. And the band would kind of play a jamming song and it would be a part of our service and our worship. And the kids, the youth, the teenagers would come and they would bring and they would place it in the joy pigs. That sounds silly. It might sound whatever, but here's the deal. We wanted to help people understand. We wanted to help young people understand that giving was a joyful thing that you got to do. And it's hard to put money inside of a pig as a teenager and not feel a little joy in your heart. It's hard to look at a pig and not think, oh, that's so cute. We have somebody in our church who like has house broken pigs. And like my kids love going over to their house to see these massive, massive, I'm not talking like little cute piglets. No, no, no. I'm talking like big old pigs. And my kids squeal for joy when they see these pigs. I think that we need to have that kind of squeal and joy in our hearts when we get, when we choose to give to the Lord. When we say, you know what? I get to give today and there's joy in our hearts and we go and we make a decision. I'm not being forced to do this. I'm not being this. I'm going to give out of this joy in my heart. Listen, joy is always linked to generosity. I have never seen somebody who was generous that didn't have joy. Now don't get confused. Generosity doesn't equate to wealth as we would define it here in America. I've seen a lot of wealthy people who weren't generous and didn't have joy. And I've seen a lot of people who didn't have great wealth, who were full of joy because they were generous. Generosity, despite what your bank account says about your status, produces joy in you. Why? Because God is more impressed with the disposition of your heart when you give than the number of zeros before the decimal point of the gift that you gave. Oh, that's good. Somebody ought to tweet that. God is more impressed with the disposition of your heart, with your heart posture of saying, I'm willingly doing this from joy. I'm a cheerful giver. Nobody's making me. Nobody's forcing me. I'm going to do this with joy in my heart. And God is more impressed with the joy in your heart than the number of zeros before the decimal point of the gift that you write out. Because God is concerned with your heart. And it's in your heart that joy begins to grow. But joy grows in the heart of the generous. Why? Because joy and generosity are always linked. You cannot find anywhere in the Christmas story where there is somebody who is being generous, experiencing generosity, and joy not be a part. The reason joy is a theme all through the Christmas story is because the Christmas story is all about giving. Joy and generosity are always, always linked, and God is looking at your heart while you do it. God's looking at your heart while you do it. Some of you might be sitting there and say, See, that's right, Pastor. We don't have to tithe. We just need to be generous. 
We just need to be give. And, and if God's more concerned with our heart than the, than the percentage and the decimal point, then we don't need to do anything with tithing. You didn't listen to what I said. And you haven't really been reading your Bible. Because that's not the case. Tithing is the training wheels for generosity. You can't give until you first tithe. What do you mean by tithe? Well, tithing is returning the first 10% of your gross income undesignated to the local church, to the Lord, essentially. Returning of the first. Tithe means returning the tenth. You can't give something if you're supposed to be returning it. Let me say it like this. Let, let's say I'm getting ready to go on vacation and um, Connor here, he, uh, his car isn't working. And I'm like, hey, Connor, why don't you borrow my car? Here's my keys to my car. You can drive it, do whatever you need to do, help you get around, get to and from work, all the things, practice that you need to get to. Uh, and why don't you just use it, take care of the car while I'm gone? I leave, I come back from vacation, I come back and Connor comes to me one day, oh, pastor, pastor, I'm so glad I caught you. I've, I've really been moved lately and I really want to, want to, you know, be a part of, of life and what's going on. And pastor, I want to give you this car. Connor, those are, that's, that's my car. Yeah, 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 but I want to give it to you. No, I, I think what you mean is you want to return it to me. Why? Because you can't give what doesn't belong to you. God says, when you return the first 10%, you get to keep a blessed 90%. It's that 90% that you give from. See, you can't give something that doesn't yet belong to you. And it doesn't really, when, when it's in your possession, God is giving it to you to steward and to look over. And he says, but the first 10%, that's mine. It belongs to me. And when we return that back to the Lord, there's a blessing and something that happens in our lives that is absolutely unimaginable. You can't give until you first tithe. Do you realize that tithing is all through Scripture, even before the law? And there's a lot of people who like to say, well, the tithing is like Old Testament, the law stuff, and we're under grace and all those things. And, and while I understand what, what you're trying to say, it, it's not really good uh, hermeneutical exegesis of the scripture and the text, because uh, what what you really need to understand is that in the New Testament, Jesus like took level here of giving and like went all the way up here and said, hey, it's all belongs to me. And you need to always be generous with everything. And people were dropping dead because they withheld what belonged to God. Can I just 10% please, Lord? Uh, the idea of tithing is to get us starting somewhere to get us to the place of generosity. But tithing is all through Scripture. Do you realize that the first two sins listed in Scripture all had to do with taking and keeping what belonged to God? Withholding something that belonged to the Lord? Did you realize that? First one is found in Ezekiel 28. We read the account. There was a, an angel in heaven. His name was Lucifer. And God created him with all of these instruments. You would later learn the name of Lucifer by the name of Satan. See, Lucifer was in heaven. He was the worship leader. And he had all these amazing instruments within his body. He was the most beautiful creature God had ever created. 
And the Bible says in Ezekiel 28 that he was merchandising. He was skimming off the top. He was taking the glory that was supposed to pass through him to the Lord and keeping some for himself. He was taking what belonged to God and keeping it for himself. And God said, because of your pride to think that you get to take what doesn't belong to you and you can't trust me enough to allow that to the glory to come right back to me, I'm kicking you out. And his pride got him kicked out of heaven. But the reality of the sin was that he was taking something that belonged to God. Then the very next time that we see sin occur in the Bible chronologically is in Genesis, where God created this amazing garden. And he said, here's all of these trees, Adam, Eve, you can eat from any of these trees in the garden. Take your pick. You can eat from one different tree every day. You get to take your pick. But this one tree belongs to me. And just like we do today, we get our eyes off all the other things that we can have. And we tell God, yeah, but I want that one. No, no, God, we're going to take from that one. That's the one we want. When we begin to return to the Lord first, what he said was his. He says he opens up heaven and pours out more blessing in a way that you can't get to. Tithing was designed to be the earliest part, the very beginning, the infancy of what it looked like to be generous. It wasn't supposed to be the epitome of religious impress, being impressive religiously. No, it was meant to be the very beginning stages of people who could move step by step and learn how to be generous because they started at the starting place of the tithe. I wish I had time to tell you story after story of people within this room whose lives have been transformed because they understood the principle of returning to God what was his and being generous with what he lets us keep as ours. I wish I had time to let you hear everybody's story. That's why we have connect groups, so you can share those kinds of stories with people and encourage them in their faith. My wife and I, it was a a struggle for us. Let me say it this way. It was a struggle for me. My wife was always committed to tithing. I was committed to eating. (laughs) And in the early days, we were very, very uh, poor. You could say we were po. We couldn't afford the extra R and the extra O. Like it just, we couldn't. Our grocery budget for two weeks was $80. Two weeks of food, 80 bucks. I was a growing boy. Growing more than I needed to grow. I've almost been delivered. (laughs) Praise the Lord. And this idea of tithing was was a struggle for us, for me. But we began to put some things in place to say, you know what? We're going to return to God what was his and bring him what's ours after that. And we're going to steward and we're going to budget and we're going to be tight and we're going to say no. And we're going to do all the things that we need to do to put God first in every, to, to, to learn this idea because we didn't want to just be stingy people. We didn't want to be people that didn't have joy and gave reluctantly. We wanted to be generous people. Fast forward the clock and uh, we were at a stage in our life where we really were, we knew we were going to need to get a van. Not because they're cool but because we kept having babies and necessity said that they were no longer going to fit in our small little cars that we had. 
And uh, we really began to feel God stirring us to be generous and to give away a car. So we prayed about it. There's a young couple that we loved and we knew that they were needing a second vehicle and we started praying. We didn't know what we were going to buy. We hadn't already bought the other vehicle. We just knew we needed one. We didn't think we even had the money for one, but we were kind of in this season of, I don't know, trusting God and putting him first and letting him order everything else. And so we decided, okay, you know what? Let's do this. We prayed about it. We prayed about it, prayed about it. And can I tell you, it was so much fun to sit down at a bank and to sign the title of a car to somebody else's name and to give them the keys, to hug them, to pray over it and say, be blessed. Can I tell you, it was such a joyful day, but we would have never been able to be generous in that way if we never started with the training wheels of the generous called the tithe. God wants to bless you in a way that causes you to be more generous. We have been blessed to be a blessing. Tithing trains our heart. Doing it God's way, it trains our heart to keep on track with God's heart. Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 through 21 says, Don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and vermin destroy and where thieves can steal it, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and vermin do not destroy and where thieves don't break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. He didn't say where your heart is, your treasure will go. No, your heart tracks where your treasure goes. Your heart always goes to the places, to the things that get your treasure. Some of you this year will be doing some online shopping, I would venture to say. And you will order something from some company that you don't know nothing about. They've got a good positive rating on Amazon and they say they're trustworthy. You will give them your money in exchange for a gift and then you will check religiously the tracking of that package. And when it hangs out too long in Minneapolis, you're ready to pick up a phone and say, hey, what's going on? I ordered something and I paid for that extra two-day shipping, and it ain't here yet. I see it stuck in Minneapolis. I don't like Minneapolis. It ain't get too much snow. What's the problem? What's going on? And all of a sudden, your heart is now consumed with something in Minneapolis. Why? Because you love Minnesota? No. Because you love what Minnesota's holding on to that you put treasure into, and you're tracking right along till it shows up at your doorstep. Merry Christmas. <laughs> Why? Because you put some treasure out and your heart just kept tracking. Why? Because your heart will always track behind your treasure. Your heart will always track behind your treasure. I, I am so thankful that we have a church, a body of people here who understands what it means to lead the way in joyful generosity and faith-filled stewardship. 
I'm so thankful that we have a church that says we want to give and we want to show and we want to be a part of what God's doing so that we can reach people for God, so that we can see hearts and lives transformed, so that, so that we can see missions take place across the globe. And we're able to do things as a church to be generous to people because we as a church have made a decision. We're going to start at with our training wheels and graduate to let our heart track all the way to God's heart. Because God wants us to move beyond the training place and get to the generous place. Why? Because the generous heart is a joyful life. A generous heart is a joyful life. If you are lacking joy in any area of your life, I would venture to say that the way you can get joy back into that area of your life is to first give. In your marriage, choose to give first. Joy will follow. When it's with your kids, choose to give. Serve. Be kind. Joy will follow. On the job. In the air, with the Lord. If you want joy to be a part of your Christmas story, it's going to be linked to the generosity that you demonstrate. If you want to have joy this Christmas, realize that you can be generous. Listen, you are most like God when you're generous. What about when I pray for people? You are most like God when you're generous. You're most like God when you choose to be generous. God is the most generous being that ever existed. To ever exist. Let me put it in the present tense. God is the most generous being ever to exist. Ever. He's also the most joyful being to ever exist. Why? Because he's generous. You, this Christmas season, can be the most like God to the people around you, to the world around you, to your friends, to your co-workers, to the people sitting next to you today. You can be the most like God you've ever been simply by making a decision to choose to be generous. Why? Because you are most like God when you give. Because the very nature of God is that we would Give. Some of you today, your step towards joy is going to be a decision to start tithing. Some of you today, your step towards joy is going to be to step towards generosity, to go beyond that, to find practical ways to be generous. Listen, you can be generous with your smile. You can be generous with your time. You can be generous uh, with your love and your compassion. You can be generous in a lot of ways. Does it apply financially? 100% it does. But generosity can be seen in a lot of different avenues and ways. You can give somebody your parking space that you've been sitting 10 minutes at Walmart to have. That's right up close. But here they come and they're storming around and they, they want it. And you can just go ahead and let them have it and move on. You can be generous in that way. You can be generous and bake somebody cookies. You can be generous and to go help somebody rake their leaves. You can be generous and help somebody put lights on their house. You can be generous 
in lots of different ways. When you make a choice to be generous, you are stepping towards joy. And if you want to have joy this Christmas, step into generosity. Some of you uh, can can do what we, we've been talking about since last Sunday. We have these Joy of Christmas invite cards. And this week, they have the correct uh, dates printed on the back. Praise Jesus. But you can grab some of these invite cards. And what we're challenging you to do as a, as a church, as a body, as an individual, is look for a way to be generous to somebody else. Do a random act of kindness for somebody. There's some people in our church who are paying for people who are behind them in Dunkin' Donuts. I'm stalking them to find out when they're going to Dunkin' next. <laughs> there's, there's another family in our church that all year long, uh, certain times in the month, are feeding teenagers on their lunch break from the high school. What are they? They're being generous. And when you're generous, you find joy. What is one way that you can, maybe you take some extra quarters and you go hang out at the laundromat off Wall Street and you just pay for people to do their laundry. It would be something joyful and generous that you can do. Cost you a couple bucks. Why don't we as a church, what would it look like if we made a decision? Let's step towards generosity. Let's step towards joy by choosing to be generous. And so grab some of these invite cards. Find something kind and generous, benevolent that you can do for somebody else. Do it for them and invite them to church. Invite them to come experience the real joy of Christmas. And that's Jesus. Especially to our December 23rd services. We have two services that Sunday. 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. Don't show up at 10 o'clock on December 23rd. You're going to miss the service. You can hang out for the 11 o'clock if you'd like. 9 a.m., 11 a.m. We want to fill this place with people who need the joy of Christmas in their lives. How are they going to discover that joy? It's because they meet somebody who is stepping towards joy themselves and has made a decision to be generous. Why? Because the Grinch fix that you need to fix the lack of joy and the shrunken heart that we often have is to choose to be generous. Is to choose to be generous. Today, as we wrap up our service and our time together, we're going to come to the table of the Lord in communion. And so I'm going to invite our, our, uh, our host this morning, those that are ready to serve the communion, if you would go ahead and come and uh, down forward. And, and, and we want to invite everybody to participate if you'd like. As the tray comes by, just on a real practical note, there are two cups in each of the slots. The bottom cup has the bread. The top cup has the juice. Make sure you grab both those cups in that slot and just hold on to them for us and uh, we'll all partake together. Go ahead, gentlemen. You can begin to, to serve those. And we want to come to the Lord's table today and, and celebrate the generosity of our God. God is indeed the most generous being that ever existed. He's the most generous being that ever existed. The Bible says in John 3, 16, that God 
so loved the world, he gave. He gave. He gave his firstborn son, Jesus. Isaiah chapter 9 says that the world was full of darkness, but yet a great light began to shine. For unto us, a child was to be born. Unto us, a son is given. The joy of Christmas is found in the gift that is given. Not in the gift that you're going to give. That's going to be a part of it. But the joy of Christmas will be found in the gift of a son that has already been given. And they will give him the name Jesus. Emmanuel. God with us. And he shall be called Wonderful Counselor. Almighty God. Everlasting Father. And the Prince of Peace. Peace has a name. His name is Jesus. Joy has a name. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. And when we make a decision to receive Jesus, it's because he first loved us that we can love others. You got to understand your heart tracks on a certain train track. Have you ever noticed train wheels kind of back and forth, back and forth for God so loved that he gave. We can only give because we first were loved. We can love because he gave. We can love because he gave. He gave us love. He gave us Jesus so we can be generous. The only reason you can be generous is because you first learned how to receive Jesus. And some of you need to learn how to receive the most gracious gift of all, and that is salvation in Jesus. And when you learn how to receive that gracious gift from God, our only natural, logical, reasonable response is to give back to God. I don't tithe because I'm bound by some legalism. No, I start there because that's the starting place of honor and love for my God. God has done so much for me, I can't help but give. And then when I give, I see that I'm blessed and I'm blessed and I'm full of love. And that love leads me to give. And then I'm loved on some more and it's just back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And all of a sudden our heart starts to track where we've been generous because your heart always tracks treasure goes. And our treasure goes because we're so loved by God. 
and it's a back and a forth. Man, we, we receive so much love, so we can't help but give. And we receive more love, and we give. And we receive more love, and we give. And we receive more love, and we give. And it transforms our life. And all of a sudden, we're joyful, and we don't know why. And then we're happy in life, even though our job isn't changed. And, and our financial outlook, it's still a little bleak. But we got joy, and, and we start moving on this track of joy in our lives. And it's all because we receive the love of God first your head bowed and your eyes closed. I want to ask you a question. If you're here today and you've never said yes to Jesus, you've never put your heart in a place to say, I'm going to go after Jesus. And today you want to receive the love of God through the Savior, Jesus. Would you just quickly put a hand in the air? We want to pray a prayer all together. If that's you, you say, I want to receive Jesus. Would you just slip a hand in the air? We don't want to miss this moment at all possible. Church family, can we pray this together? All together, let's pray. Say, Father God, we believe in Jesus. Thank you, Father, for giving your son to us. We receive Jesus as our Lord, as our Savior, as the forgiver of our lives and the saver of our souls. We trust you and want to follow you.